0: By the time you hear this podcast, will you need a manager? Where's David Flynn? Ah, uh, we got to talk. No, we don't need to talk to you. Maybe before. Before what? Before I became David's manager.
1: Manager? What the hell are you talking about? Where is he? Y'all going on as David Ruffin
0: and the Temptations? He's right here. Now you tell David that we going on with or without him.
2: So that's a no? I would be a get out. I'll be thrown out.
3: Okay. It is it. I have had it. it I, know, I know, I know, I know. We got too much coming up.
1: We need David.
0: What? Uh- Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with... Another episode this is episode 121 um i don't know the significance of that number off the top of my head um but i'd like to thank everyone who has listened to our podcast so far um new and old listeners uh definitely appreciate it and uh i like how we've been consistent lately because we took four months off and now this is our fourth just episode four months? just four just four months <laughs> and this is our fourth episode in as many weeks so uh thank you everyone who's been patient patiently waiting and uh and is excited when they get that notification that uh we've uploaded a new episode um if you want to tell people where you can find us um don't go to the website it's just not worth your time. So don't go there right now. <laughs> we'll rebuild it uh, one day. But you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Uh, that's spelled with the Y O U. But if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at by the time you hear this. Uh, spell with the letter U. That's the same spelling for our email address. And we spell by the time you hear this with the letter U on those platforms because... We're urban. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, that means we're black. Uh For those who <laughs> still haven't figured that out um and if you want to uh listen to us on the go and avoid that annoying uh coworker or uh that annoying busker um who <laughs> still insists that uh Colin Kaepernick was uh disrespecting the military or whatever um and you just wanna put your your pods in and just move along. You can listen to us on the go. If you have an iPhone, we're on the Apple podcast app. If you have an Android, we're on Google Podcast, and you can listen to us on any other podcast apps such as, uh, overcast Castbox, auto radio, pocket cast Castro podcast, uh, play.fm tune in radio. Um, almost anywhere you can get podcasts. We're, we're finding new places all the time. Uh, oh, yeah. And of course, we are on Spotify. So if you use Spotify to listen to music, you can listen to podcasts there too and just search us. And also, there's a search engine for podcasts, listennotes.com. You can search for us um, by uh, search for podcasts by subject matter. On our last episode, we talked about George Michael's Faith uh, album. So if you search George Michael on Listen Notes, then you should be able to find our episode about that. Uh, so, we have a guest. Uh, this is the first time she's joining us. Um, I met her about three and a half, four years ago. Um, oh, wow. And uh, at my current place of work, she had a uh, a podcast here, and um, I kind of just, uh, I didn't know who she was, and I just avoided her and let her do her show. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 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 but um then she did a show with another client that we had here um so that's when I got to know her and uh I um this is this well this is something I probably I probably should have had her on a long time ago but this is this it's good that she was able to join us and uh just I just had to ask once so please welcome <laughs> uh Melinda I'm not going to say your last name but I I don't know if you want to <laughs> be anonymous or not but This is Melinda that we have on the line. Melinda, thank you for joining us. And thank you for (laughs) listening to that awkward introduction.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm over here dying. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to call you Melinda. Okay. (laughs) And Ben. Okay, great. Hey, how are you guys? I'm sorry. I'm crying, laughing, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me get, hi guys. It puts a how
1: whole new you? meaning to needs <laughs> No Introduction, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: this... Yo, I, and I'll tell you why I love Greg, because of that humor right there. And I can only imagine the two of you together already. Oh my God. Amazing. Hi guys.
0: How are you? Hi. <laughs> Great. Uh, thank you for joining us. So if you, if you go back and listen to our previous episodes, you, this is kind of how it is. So, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love it, yo! I love
0: it, I love it. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll start by, tell us, um, what is what would you say your your title is? It's it's like not from with your company. I know what your title is with your company, but what is it that you say that you do in the music industry?
2: Survive.
0: All right, <laughs> I, I dig it.
2: I dig it. <laughs> no, I it's it's hard to say what i do in the industry because i think i have my hands in pretty much everything in the industry um i connect the dots i you know create brands i create um i'm a creator for the creators if that makes sense um i i create opportunities uh I, there's just so many things. I have my hands in book publishing. I have my hands in music. I have my hands in TV film. So it, it's hard to say branding management slash. I, it's hard to say what, cause I wear so many hats.
0: Mm-hmm. So with, I get, I get things okay, done. Right. How about that? <laughs> okay, <laughs> That'll work. Um, I guess specifically for for recording artists, um, what are I guess if there are so many hats, what are uh, some of the things that you that you do for them?
2: Um, I manage their careers. I brand them. Um, currently, I'm one of my clients' VPs for his music label that uh, myself and Leon Cosby are structured it up and created this label for Bobby uh Bobby V. Uh pretty much, you know, I, I create content, I help uh marketing strategies, anything to keep the clients in the music industry relevant, you know radio, streaming platforms, uh anything to keep the clients working. Touring, I put tour packages together. I I help promoters put packages together. I book clients outside of my own so it's anything and everything that's the music involved in I, i'm i'm doing it
0: uh, so how do um like i played the the uh, the clip from the temptations movie and i this is it's something yeah. i cite all the time um and there was the scene where they're playing at the copacabana and david's not david ruffin's not there and then this mysterious flynn walks in it's like david's not going on unless you call the call yourself call yourselves david ruffin and the temptations and right. like and he, he's and he then he says like i'm his manager i'm like and it's kind of weird to me where i see that in movies and television to where okay how does that happen is this is this some kind of weird handshake agreement Is there some kind of contract signed? Um, Is it something that just anyone can get into? Uh, So I guess my question is like, um, I get, well, how, how does one get into what you do? And then, you know, eventually, uh, you know, you have your own firm.
2: So in management, I don't feel anyone can do it. I feel many try to do it, but management is real strategic. It's planning. And I think let's start first with the definition of a manager. I think people have the misconception of what a manager does. They feel a manager goes and gets them gigs, gets them endorsements, goes and gets them all the jobs, gets them, you know, pay for their careers, pay for their stuff. And I think that's the most um, misconception out there. What a manager does is just like in a clothing store. A manager manages its employees. So the artist is the product. So you have a publicist, you have an accountant, you have an attorney, you have a marketing, a social media, a road manager, and a manager manages the systems, making sure that the publicist is doing what they're supposed to do for the artist, the social media is doing what they're supposed to do for the artist, the accountant is making sure that he's taking care or she's taking care of the artist. The attorney is, you know, getting contracts done on time for the artist. Road manager is protecting the artist out there on the road when the artist is touring. And the manager manages the systems. We put the plays in effect. We come up with the plan. And then the employees, i.e. the, the publicist, road managers, XYZs, right they implement it so they execute it so a manager builds the relationships and i've built relationships over 25 years and when people see me navigating other careers they've approached me and said hey can you manage my career and sometimes it's just putting structure to it sometimes it's just getting them away from entourages and people who are just you know around just for the fun of it and really structuring up so they move with professionalism if you see an artist you know working a lot and you don't see a lot of people around them i'm creating the brand i'm creating the image or restructuring the image so that's what a manager does i don't believe a lot of people they can try but if they don't have social skills if they don't have um negotiation skills if they don't have empathy if they don't have resilience if they don't have integrity and honesty then it'll be very difficult for them to maintain a position as a manager if that makes all sense
1: Oh, definitely. it does. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was cut tape. <laughs> that was. Yeah, that was. No, that was. In, that was incredibly in depth, and a definition unlike I've ever heard. Because you're right. Before I thought about this, before you, before you said that. Yeah, I thought the first definition of a manager that you mentioned. That most lay people think is is the definition. Not thinking that you are literally managing a team. I never even thought of it as the artist is the product. You know, yeah. you're you're selling the product, and your product is only as good as the team around it. To Absolutely. kind of you know, yeah, that was bravo. <laughs> that was so good. So the team,
2: and you think about it as an artist. People try to get to the artist first. It's it's the artist responsibility to still go make good music it's the artist's responsibility to make sure that they're in fit you know they're they're fit they're vocal ready we're not babysitters we're not Mm -hmm. hand holders we're not you know sometimes when you when you've been with artists a long time you become their therapist you become their best friends absolutely but the business at hand is still the business they still have to maintain and do everything that they're supposed to do they're still supposed to go create the content As an artist, they're still paying their team. I'm just making sure that everyone is doing what he's paying them to do. Mm -hmm. So it's really cut and dry. When people really understand that perspective and they say the team really puts it together, if one person tries to do everything, they're not efficient in one. So you have to break up. Now, I learned all the positions because in order for me to be an effective manager, I need to be able to micromanage. I need to be able to jump in when I need to jump in and handle certain things when a team member falls off or a team member is fired. I need to be able to understand the challenges that they're going through. So an effective manager understands everyone's job and makes sure the right people are in those positions for that artist.
1: Mm. Um, All right. (laughs) Uh, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just let me so need So when Flynn showed up and said, "I'm the manager,"
2: that was his homeboy just doing the dirty work because David mm. Ruffin didn't have a backbone, and that was my favorite scene ever. Uh, but because David Ruffin, you know, he he the ego set in on him, so oh, now yeah. all of a sudden he felt like yeah. he needed the manager because he felt like he was carrying the group, and you see, we see how it ended up, but it happens more often than not in groups. We <laughs> we see it happen a lot, not just in groups. Just egos, egos will kill a lot of careers.
0: Because mm. uh, I and, I agree. Yeah. Uh, with part of that is like uh, where I played that scene and and another. Uh, we don't really talk about it on here because it's just a TV show about an actor. But the show Entourage, where uh-huh. uh, Vince has his best friend from back home as his manager. Um, but he also has an agent and an actual, and well, a a Hollywood agent. Um, is there, is, is that a role that you also play or is there a difference or, and what is, what is the difference if there is one? Yes.
2: I play a role of agent for clients that I don't manage. So let me break that down. So agent is all I do is uh, secure bookings. If someone calls me because I have so many relationships, people ju- trust my judgment. They'll come to me because they understand the business will get done. So they're not directly paying me a management fee. They're just paying me a commission, a 10% booking fee, which is the normal standard. So an agent is specified in that one area. So let's say a booking agent, they don't care about your team. They don't care about what your team is doing for you. They only make sure that they book you for a curtain event, make sure you show up on time, make sure you do what the contract says, and that's done. They work alongside the manager to make sure that the artist shows up. But a booking agent, it's less work than a manager because all they're focusing on is booking a show. That's all. They are the they are the point person to book a show. Um, And that's for the, when it comes to artists and music, so a booking agent will come and. Hey, Melinda, I have a show for Bobby V. Okay, cool. What are the terms? What are the snacks? That just takes it off my plate. However, because I've done this so much for other people, I assume the role of agent for others. For instance, pleasure p i'm his booking agent i don't manage his career i don't manage anything i don't give him plans i don't give him ideas to think that's for him and his team to figure out when someone calls and wants to book him he trusts me to take the booking make sure everything is legit make sure his money is on time make sure he's paid i then make sure that his team does what they need to do to get him there all is good so on that role, I'm just a booking agent.
1: And before you just explained that, I would have said that a booking agent and a manager were one and the same. So
2: right, love and this
1: education.
2: And a lot of people do. And the thing is, when you fuse them all together like I do, I, 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 it's because my relationships people know and they trust my relationships, so they trust that I will do the business for them. So it's very very much important for people to address themselves and label themselves correctly when they're doing business, i.e. when someone hits me up with Bobby, I manage Bobby. So I say I manage all his business, I manage him. When someone calls me for, uh, for pleasure P, am very straight to the point, hey, I'm just his booking agent. However, if you want X, Y, and Z or something else done outside of my level, let me pass you to his manager or his road manager, someone who's doing his business for him. So yes, it's a two separate roles. P- uh, public relations is a separate role. Everyone has a separate role.
1: Wow, this is great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love. Low, I right? love
1: to learn. I love <laughs> to learn. So for me, you know, as someone who is, um, you know, a, a musician outside of my nine to five, knowing these sorts of things are, are is very cool to hear. Mm-hmm. So helps me get get some direction. So I'm digging this.
2: Awesome.
0: Yeah. Um uh it's kind of the same for me. I mean, I'm not a musician, but just to to um there's a show that that I work on here. Um and actually Bobby V was here like a few weeks ago um on yep. that show.
4: Yeah.
0: And yep. they uh part of their they they talk about, you know, the uh, from the perspective of, of an artist and, and a promoter, as far as uh, kind of the, the what artists need to do and um, or what promoters need to do to kind of get their, get their content out there, get their clients, get the word for a client out there. So, um, but I know their perspective would be different from, from yours because it, it's something that you, you know, it's part of what you do when you, and you you kind of it is more in depth than that um, from your perspective Um, right
2: now let me ask a question on the promoter side a promoter has no clients Mm -hmm. a promoter is his own client meaning he's the one either directly connected to the venue or the event that he's making money off of so when people reference a promoter, a promoter is just that they're promoting their show or they're promoting their event. So if a promoter were to say, I have clients that I, that doesn't even fit if they were to say that no promoter has a client.
1: Yeah. Um, And that's, that kind of makes sense. That always kind of made sense to me. They're just, they promote events. You would, you I imagine you work with booking agents or with managers to get talent there, but you don't have right. clients per se. Yeah,
2: right. You don't have clients. The promoter, you know, reaches out to book talent agent. I mean, a uh, booking agent and/or management to try to book the artist. Once yeah. that booking is done, that's because they're receiving money from, and they're not receiving money from the artist per se. They're just receiving money for ticket sales. They're receiving mm-hmm. money for You know, food and beverage sales, whatever, whatever venue that they're using. So a promoter is completely different than a manager, a talent agent, and a promoter has a whole different interest in the industry.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, OK, I guess before we get too deep, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know we typically will ask, um, what are you listening to right now?
2: I'm listening to Janae Aiko. I love Janae Echo. And um The Dream just came out with one with Janae Echo that's on the radio too. I'm also I'm just digging her vibe right now. I've always loved her vibe. I didn't realize how grimy Janae Echo is.
4: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: she's she's kind of potty mouth, like, <laughs> but I like it. Like she's so zen. But can we cuss on here?
1: Yes. <laughs> y- yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So She's zen, but then she has a song like "I just want to get drunk and fuck." I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. that's what we are, Janae." Okay, you know. Um, but I'm I'm digging her vibe, so I'm listening to Janae Aiko right now, and I like the Bonfire. The Bonfire too.
0: Not familiar with the Bonfire. Uh, a
2: white I mean, girl. She's a white girl who sings like R and B, and she's she's dope she's taken a couple classics like Mary J. and Vogue and, and Jodeci. And she's kind of made some new joints to those classics. So it's kind of dope. She's the bonfire.
1: Um, I'm going to check her out then.
2: Yeah.
0: Anyways, I, I, I want, I wanted to ask you this. We, we've had an episode about this. Um, maybe it might've been two years ago. Um, but we've, you, uh, manage or, or work with a lot of R and B artists. Is that safe to say?
2: Yes. <laughs> um,
0: I I don't know about, uh, I don't know if Ben's opinion has changed, but I have felt that, <laughs> um, frankly, R&B is dead as far as its popularity. Um, but someone who works with artists who work in that genre, what is your, I guess, what's your perspective on the state of R&B music?
2: The state of R and music right now—you um, just have to find it. It's out there on like streaming platforms. You have so many dope indie artists that that sing R and mm. um, You still have your your classic RBs, You have your Tanks. You have your Chris Browns, which is more pop, but he's still dabbling in the R and You got Usher that just came out. You got Bobby V that's still out there. You got tons of R and that still is out there. You just have to find it now because mainstream and radio, they're not playing it and Mm -hmm. and they're not pushing it as much, but R&B is not dead at all. R&B is still there. You just have to now just go find it. And when you find it, like there's a lot of great R&B that I find daily streaming and it's, the state of it is, is still there. Like, with program directors being younger now and and the older ones are transitioning out, the younger PDs are coming in, they're, they're in that trap phase. But if you look at Tory Lanez, for instance, and I use him a lot in examples, Tory Lanez, he made a whole Chicks Mixtape with all classics. And if you notice, majority of, great songs that are that are awesome <laughs> have samples or references of classics r&b's so my take on it, r&b is not dead you just have to look for it now because it's not on the it's not on the top mainstream platforms but if you if you're if you're an r&b head like me you'll find r&b all day long
0: so why so do you think it's because of like you said with younger program directors that the that is curbed the popularity as far as it being played on the radio?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody's on that, that everybody's on that trap thing right now. And you know, it, it's it's hard because they gotta keep their ratings up. So they gotta figure out what the millennials want. But if you really Mm -hmm. talk to millennials, they really do listen to R&B still. They're listening because the millennials are in their 20s, where parents age like myself in the 40s. I'm still playing R&B hard in the house. So my kids are listening to this R&B. And they're not given that. So that's why they're flocking more to the streaming platforms, finding the R&B because radio is not doing that's why radio is dying out
1: yeah radio, i was gonna say radio's kind of on the way out i feel
2: <laughs> right radio's on you know and if they don't get it together and they really start to listen to what's really happening and and someone has to be the curve you know taker someone has to be the risk taker they have to say you know what now i'm gonna go ahead and throw r&b back out here because we're viable we're the purchasing population in their forties, the thirty-five and forties. We're the purchasing population. We purchase because our jobs are secure, our kids are grown. We we can spend money on concert tickets and keep the stuff going. Or twenty-year-olds are not trying to spend that money right now. You know, they they're not trying to. They're trying to stream one song at a time versus buying whole albums. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I think when when people really pay attention to what's happening. They'll find, and it's hard to explain it because I know it needs to be done, but I think that people are just afraid to do it because they're afraid that if they switch gears, they're gonna lose viewerships and they're gonna lose their jobs. When in fact, it may be a complete opposite effect and they may be the savior of R&B for mainstream, if that makes sense.
1: So it's, I think it's it's cool that you say that because I feel with um, some of the power being taken away, taken away from DJs and put in the hands of program directors that might serve multiple stations rather than just one station, and maybe that one station can kind of cater to what's popular in that area.
4: Uh-huh. Do you
1: think if we went back to giving DJs that power, Do you think that maybe um, we'd see a more diverse set of music region to region, including maybe hearing more R&B in certain regions where they really like to hear it?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the DJs are for the people. The DJs are in the clubs. The DJs are in the thick of things. So they know what people want. They know what people are reacting to. It's hard to base off what people react to when you're sitting behind a desk and just plugging stuff in. You don't see people in their cars you don't see when people are like oh shit that's my jam right there you don't Mm -hmm. see it whereas djs absolutely get front line and see it because they're in the clubs they're in the strip joints they're in the 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 lounges and stuff playing the music they see what people's responsive response is to the music so absolutely if you gave the djs back that power absolutely
1: yeah i really think we'd probably even hear more local artists um I, I mean, obviously I lean, anyone who listens to the show, I lean a lot towards a lot of rock music. And I think back to, you know, the mid to late nineties, living in Atlanta, listening to a station like 99X, where it did sound like their DJs had a little bit more leeway. And I would learn about a lot of local artists as a result that I would never have heard of, you know, one being, for instance, Angie Apero, who's from Atlanta, you know, popular song right around Atlanta, but, you know, he's not getting played nationally. But in Atlanta, he's getting a lot of love. And I have to think that if, you know, they had that power, more local, local artists would break more. You probably have artists that, you know, that maybe weren't being pushed by a big record label breaking more just because a DJ heard the song and, hey, I like this song. I'm going to give it some play. And I I feel like there's a lot being missed right now because of that in the music
2: industry. Absolutely. You have. The gift and the curse of social media and and these streaming platforms, you know, you can be found or you can be lost um, in the mix of it, because there's so much out there. And the music really would have to speak. It's not even about relationships that much anymore. The music would have to speak. So the the that is the tail all, I think, of of making the music now. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's so much out there. There's so much competition out there. There's so much. And the attention span of everybody is less than seven seconds now. So if you yeah. don't catch it within seven seconds, you're pretty much dead in the water. So that's why TuneCore and, and Repost now and SoundCloud, they've you know, kind of being the distribution, uh distro kid, you know, the the capabilities of pushing them. To get it out there are many, many platforms, but you still, your fan base is still following you in your social media. So you are have the responsibility of now becoming your own promoter, becoming your own marketing, you know, guru. And to get found, it's like a needle in a haystack, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Labels aren't picking up people anymore because they're not getting their money back. They're not yep. uh, they're not offering advances to. People anymore they'd rather put money in the Marketing because that's where it's at You don't see two million dollar budgets anymore If you do you know it's because It's a guarantee and they have a shelf life and they Know exactly how long an album will live So they know they exactly Figure out how much they can get their You know return of investment is okay If I put in two million am I going to get four million Back in six months because that's Probably the lifespan of any artist now is six Months to a year Mm
0: Mm-hmm yeah the uh the show that i work on here is has um that's brought up a lot as far as the what the artist does with their with their music you know they may say yeah you can find my music on all the um you know all the streaming platforms and then they'll ask them, so what are you what are you doing now and if it's there, the host kind of discouraged the guys the all the artists from um putting out more than two songs over a six month to a year period or you know don't work on you know don't do any you know no one's listening to albums anymore or no one is um you know if if you you may have to find your own way to to make the visuals you know a lot of people yeah uh, uh, you know, make their own videos, you know, if they're learning the editing and the cameras mm-hmm. and all that, they're, they they're learning that along with putting out music. Uh, yeah. So what does, does, has, has that, um, as far as, as far as what, what you do with, with managing and, and marketing, how, how mm-hmm. has that had an effect on, on your clients or, you know, anybody, you, anybody else you may work with?
2: I mean, it's a struggle. I think with anyone out there that's putting music out, I think more with the mm. the artists who have a fan base. Um, it's a struggle. So I can only imagine how it is with new artists with no fan base. Remember back in the day, they the fans were stick. They stick. They stuck to the artists because they were part of their growing up. They were part of their their memory bank. That's why Millennium Tour was so successful because those those fans, you know, they stuck. They grew up with Pretty Rickies and Bobby Vs and Lloyds and Ying Yangs and Mario uh, B2Ks. They grew up with them, so they have the sticking power. And the new artists now, and I go back to the attention span of fans at 7 Seconds, so as soon as a new song come out that's hot, they're gone. I think the last generation to have, not generation, excuse me, the last acts that have a real sticking Fan base was like Pretty Ricky. And, you know, of course, Drake and your Chris Browns and Rihannas. But nothing new after that has really stuck. Like, the uh, that's why I say the lifespan is about a year. And yeah. when artists put music after music after music, if you didn't catch Beyonce's um, interview, she had said something or there was a clip that was going around about artists not making any bodies of work anymore. And they're just quick to put singles out. They're just right. quick to put singles out. And some feel like, well, how can you get any traction on any song if you're constantly shoving something else down my throat? Sometimes when you throw the throw the same thing down your throat, you, you learn to love it. You, you acquire a taste for it. So... When you see or hear a song that's catchy, it may not be your cup of tea, but you hear it so much on the radio stream, you just hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it. You start humming it at home. You start yeah. singing it at home. <laughs> you start realizing you're like, and you're like, I don't, I don't even like that song, but now it becomes your favorite because what you can sing it or you can rap it, you you under you learned it, so now it becomes your favorite because. Everybody, and I don't care what anyone says, everyone's a rock star at home. You're in a mirror, you, and when you learn a song or you learn a lyric or you get a verse down and you you hit that verse, bam, now it's your song because you are now, in your head, a star. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got to really push. I mean, look at Lizzo. She pushed her one joint for almost two years. She didn't put all the music out. She just pushed it, pushed it, and pushed it. And when it hit, it finally hit. Now, do I think Lizzo's going to be around in two years from now? No, I don't. You know, I I, I don't. I think a lot of artists go, they get silent, and then it's super hard for them to come back. You know, again, because the sticking power of their fan base isn't there. If you don't keep them fed, they will move on to somebody else. That's the way we're at with this generation. But you got people like Bobby V who have a strong... sticking power, he can put out music for the rest of his life, and his core fan base will continue to follow him. So, I wouldn't discourage any artist putting new music out, but I would say, pay attention to what you're putting out. It's not about the quantity anymore. I think it's about the quality of the song, quality of the music, down to the beat, what the melody is, you know, what the lyrics are, simplicity, you know, there's a lot of attributes that go into making songs now. So it's not as easy as putting some out and there it is.
0: Okay. Uh, well would you saying with the um uh songs that you hear over and over again on the radio? Um anyone's listened to this show of course, been know that that's a machine I have raged against for about <laughs> twenty years now. <laughs> um, the playlists
1: are smaller and Yes. And it really is about, it's about the hook. We live in the age of the hook. I I feel right. like the 80s was big for, about hooks. And I, I think we're in another version of the 80s with, with urban music, with black music, um, where a lot of it, you know, was about excess, about having fun. Um, yeah. I think we're getting to a deeper part of it. Alternative R&B is becoming, is... Um, Mm-hmm. Is is getting more popular. And it's really sad because I, I, I really feel like artists like Jill Scott and Erica Badu would have really thrived in this in this era. Um, but I guess you could say what they walked so that you know the internet could run if you want to mm-hmm. kind of go that route. Yeah. Um, because you know, alternative RB is, is being, even though it's not the biggest thing, they're not going platinum, but they're they're sustainable. What they're doing is sustainable. And I really, really yep. like that because Um, I feel like alternative R&B typically is is mood-driven, but it's also a lot of musicianship, and that's what I kind of, you know, I go towards that more so because I like live instruments and, you know, like listening to, you know, a band like, and I call them a band because I feel like they're a band, the internet, you know, I see them play live on Triple J, yeah, and it's it's them, they play their own instruments, they don't have to bring in, they don't play a track, and I really, really, really love that. And I like the fact that that's becoming a little bit more accepted nowadays
2: i I, I agree um Jill Scott Erica Badu great examples um someone who's gonna be around a lot a long time will be tank a long yeah. a lot B will be a long yeah. anyone who plays any kind of musical instrument that can kind of reform and revamp and always have something exciting to do on a show a tour because that's that's where they're making their money they're they're touring you know you got Jill Scott that's making I'm sorry uh, Erica Badu that's going at about 200 some thousand dollars a show uh, for 45 minutes you know what I'm saying like her sustainability is her core fan base is going to come out because they like her vibe they like what she does she's an, she's giving an experience you know and i think in the nuances that's what we're missing we see we see rappers going up there and they all look the same they all sound the same the music is the same and there's no experience they're delivering. And if they don't figure that part out of their show, they will have no touring sustainability. And when that song dies out and there's no touring money, look at what happened to the designer. Where is he at? You know what I mean? Like
1: it's a good question. Where is he?
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? And and that's the, if you have you must look at it like that. Like all aspects of the business have to be right. So sustainability, again, musicianship real vocals, you know, not this auto-tune stuff. Like, if you sound like your record, I'm going to enjoy that experience more because I, that's familiar to me. You know? Like mm-hmm. Bobby B, Bobby V, for instance, we have a new song out called Love That Shit. And being that he's now the CEO of Beltry Music Group, and we signed two artists, Sandman Trippin' and Santo Silva, we created this song, Love That Shit. It's a great blend of R&B and what's playing now. And it has a great hook, you know, love that shit, love that shit, ooh. It's fun summertime song. And organically, V103 picked it up. And that's when you know it's a hit, when organically, radio picks it up. And now streaming platforms are picking up, DJs are picking it up. And it's it's going kind of throughout its course. But when he plays it live, he adds the instruments to it. He adds that other component. So it feels like a whole new song, but it's still familiar. And that's what I think you're touching on, the musicianship of of artists. They, they, they need to be able to evolve throughout their career.
1: Agreed. <laughs> Can't stay the same. Not, <laughs> not, and not keep me as a fan, at least. You, you got <laughs> to right. grow. Got to yeah.
2: grow.
0: I can definitely understand care. that. Because I, I, when you were saying that, um, how, uh, how, like, you know, if, if, if Bobby's going to, if he has a song out and then he plays it, you know, when he plays it live and it, it'll add that different element and, and with Erica Badu, how her shows go and, and her concerts. Yeah. And the, the thing that I thought of first, and Ben and I have talked about this several times is like uh when you if you said that, like Lizzo's not gonna be around in a couple of years i I'm surprised that the Migos are around at all still at this <laughs> point. Uh, the Migos after- you know
2: why the Migos are sticking? They came out the right way with Drake when Drake jumped on the Migos, all of his fan base stuck to Migos, and they're a wild bunch of guys, but they have sustained power because they attach themselves to a brand such as Drake early on and I tell them it's how you start it's how you will finish
0: well I, I the reason why I, I brought them up is because when I saw them um, I saw well it was a TV performance I've never seen them live but they performed on Jimmy Fallon uh, when stir fry was uh, just had just come out And Uh they had this great set, but the performance seemed like so low energy and they're just standing there or kind of walking around aimlessly. And I wasn't expecting them to like dance or anything or have, uh, but I, I, I guess I just expected more energy from them, you know, for a live performance and, From what people who have seen them live have told me that yeah that's kind of how they are on stage and i feel like for a concert setting um i mean maybe i guess it's because they are the music they have come out with and they have the fan base that that part doesn't matter does that make sense
2: it does it that makes much 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 sense it does and again their energy levels may be low and if that's how they've always been that's what the, that's what the fans are familiar with and so the expectation isn't high. Does that make sense? Yeah and again, I think the Migos have been around. I, I, I can't put a thumbprint on how long they'll stay around, but you know you got offset. I think he's done a couple movies like they're they're venturing another I think it was offset.
0: Oh he was I on an episode remember. of like Criminal Minds. What he played a CIA operative or something.
2: Right. But then there was another movie he played on, uh, or maybe it wasn't him. I can't think of that. Anyways, I, I've said, I don't even know all their names, to be honest. So I, I just, I, I don't know how long they're going to stay around. But if you know the group, and I, from the inside scoop, from, from me knowing the group, a lot of it has to do with the creative the creativity what do they want to do do they want to evolve do they want to do all of that extra stuff or do they want to just maintain where they're at now because in 10 15 years when they're in their 30s and 40s you know are they gonna be able to jump around like that are they looking that far ahead or do they just not care so that it's kind of down to the management, down to the creativity, down to the creative director of the show. But if they're getting by, and still making one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a show, doing what they're doing, why change? Because that's what the fans expect. They don't expect a high energy show. <laughs> if that, you know what I mean? Like
0: that's yeah, well, that's weird to me. So <laughs> it's, weird. I mean, it's super weird. But
2: you can find some people like in re. She's very. She'll stand. She don't do nothing else. But that's what they know of her, and mm. that's what they love of her. Her fans that stick. They don't want nothing else from her. It would be weird if she danced. It would be weird if she did some other stuff. That's very weird, <laughs> right? So that's not who she came out to be. Yeah. So, you know, with Migos, they just they their songs are hot. They can sit down and does not say and sit down on a step on the stage. If the song is hot and the song is bouncing and, and it slaps or whatever the, the new terms are for these, you know, <laughs> songs, that's all you got to do. As I said, the songs matter. The songs matter. I, and, I, and I think it's saying if the music isn't good, you have to have a really good show because people love like Janet Jackson, for instance. She's, she doesn't sing at all. She's not a good singer at mm-hmm. all. But she's a hell of a performer. And she's a hell of a... She creates that experience. So you you forget about the fact that she can't sing because she's creating something else for you. If you really can sing and you really can do it, you don't need that much of the pop and pizzazz behind you because your art takes it to the next level. So
1: Mingo, Unless you're Beyonce.
2: <laughs> right, but Beyonce does <laughs> it both. Like, Beyonce Yeah, she can a do little, it all, yeah. She can do it all. And I'm not even a big... And I might get hate mail now for this but i'm not even a big beyonce fan oh
0: you're not a i load. Well, said, you're not alone on I've this podcast worse. than
2: that
0: <laughs> i've said worse <laughs> about her don't feel bad
2: but you know i'm not a big fan of hers but i respect her because she goes hard yeah she goes hard like j-lo goes hard you know and 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 i you got to put respect on it so i respect that she takes enough initiative in her craft to do everything and know everything and and learn it because that's just that's why she's where she's at and that's why she will continue to be iconic and move forward. She'll never go anywhere. She's, she's, she's icon. I, I mean, she's an icon. There it is. So I respect her. Do I buy all her albums when it drops? Do I cry? Have I seen the Beyonce concert? No. Am I wanting to go to a Beyonce concert? No. <laughs> you know, I get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. Well, and yeah, we, we are, we are consistent consensus on that. Um, I, I still <laughs> haven't watched homecoming, um, or Neither. anything to that effect. Uh, but what want to get to before, um, we get to Ben's earworm of the week first, and then we'll have, we got some more in-depth questions for you. Um, yeah. one thing that we always, we discuss the, the billboard charts, um, uh, as far as the, the hot 100, we look at the top 10 um a lot of the times these are songs we haven't even heard before but they're popular somewhere uh and then we look at the top 10 albums and then the artist 100 and I wanted to get your uh your take on the artist 100 in particular because of how it's how they uh formulate it um so with the billboard hot 100 these are top 10 songs a number 1 this week is the Savage Remix, Megan The Stallion, featuring Beyonce. Uh, number two um, is Say So by Doja Cat, despite all the stuff that's come out about her. Uh, the remix with Nicki Minaj. Number three, uh-huh. uh, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number four, Rockstar by The Baby, featuring Roddy Rich. Number five, Toosie Slide by Drake. Number six, Life is Good by Fe- Future featuring Drake, which... I'm not sure why it like jumped back into the top 10 after a few months, Uh, but maybe I don't know. Was it on the album? I don't know. Uh, Number seven, the box by Roddy rich is still around. Um, Number eight. Don't start now by Dua Lipa. Number nine uh, intentions by Justin Bieber featuring Quavo and number 10 circles by post Malone. Um on the last episode we saw that Stuck With You by Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber debuted at number one and the next week it dropped to number thirteen. So Right. Well I, you you yeah. you
2: you got that clip by Takashi Six when he said how they acquired that number one spot.
0: Oh I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Clip.
2: Oh so little T, right? So According to Takashi 69 he said... And he went live, and he was talking about... Because Guba was, like, number two or something. And he was projected to be at number one. Or he was number three, and he was projected to be number two. And then he ended up being number... Something else. I can't remember what he hit when that came out. But he said that Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber were caught using, I think... They said six different credit cards and purchasing 30,000 units because billboard, you could only purchase X amount per credit card. So they, I think they were caught with an X amount of credit cards and purchasing to get to that number one spot. And. That's the funny thing, because if you're in the industry, you know it's all politics. It's yeah. all about who's spending more money if If you and I said, "Hey, I need everyone to go on their credit cards and purchase fifty copies or ten thousand copies on your credit cards, I can be number one billboard. I'm not even a damn singer
0: that's so, uh i I saw that um. I did well if he said that it it happened with uh with this song. I know I heard a little bit about it with uh Justin Bieber's song Yummy in which he was like uh I don't know if he was on Snapchat or Instagram or something like asking people to stream it and to like continue to stream it or whatever uh basically to to move it up to knock out uh because the box was number 1 at the time when he was doing that. Mm-hmm. So yes. I guess he that, he's escalated. Was, was, I guess it was just like.
2: an Ariana song because it was the two because it knocked Doja Cat down and it knocked Takashi now, which which what set Takashi off and he did a whole full snitching session on him and really told it. If you guys have a chance in a moment, you guys can probably find that clip and insert it because he he went and it went viral and he was he was spilling the tea on how people acquire billboard spots. That's why they were talking about how billboards really fake, like that, you really can't judge a song because it's all about purchases.
3: So listen, I want the world to know that billboard is a lie. You can buy number ones on billboard. I want that to register in your head. You can buy number ones on billboard. Now let me tell you what happened. We was having an ongoing investigation just now. Silvio from Billboard, right? There's like probably five or six of them that come up with the the charts with Nielsen and everything. Last Thursday, Ariana was stuck with you, submitted 60,000 units last second. With the investigation, we found this. They purchased half of those things with six credit cards. When we asked where were those six credit cards linked to, Billboard said we can't disclose that information. Understand this? They bought thirty thousand and so units with six credit cards. Six credit cards. Now again, you're gonna enjoy your number one. Explain how you buy thirty thousand with six credit cards, right? Now let me let me explain to you something. They, they don't want Billboard doesn't want no one to know this. Now I understand why Jay Z and Nicki Minaj say. Billboard, like, we used to look up to number one. I mean, to Billboard. But now it's like, we know you can... It's all manipulated, right? It's all fabricated. You can buy number ones. This is what these artists do, right? And it's not fair. I want you to see this. Gooba streamed 50 million streams. And and this is what they're counting only. 50 million streams, right? They only counted... Look what Billboard counts. They only counted 31 million billboard illegally disqualified 20 million streams. So it can drop down and the people who bought the number one, which was stuck with you can go to number one. Look at this 31 million, which places us at 38 points. When in fifth place, you were stuck at 32 points, six credit cards buys you 36 credit. Listen, you can buy number ones on billboard i'm letting you know that we just did a whole investigation and their best answer was we can't disclose that information
2: it's all about that i mean, if you fall asleep at night and leave a song streaming all night long those are considered streams you know if you go yeah, purchase yeah. you go purchase stream that's not even in the benefit of the streaming platforms cuz they get paid off of real streams so like there's a there's a lot of hidden agendas in there so I, I would go look at that and then you know you'd be but it was Justin Bieber and Ariana song, it definitely was. It happened a couple of weeks ago or a week that's ago. That's
1: what the uh, that's what the band Wolfpack did was like maybe three or four years ago, to fund their tour they just made an album of silence, <laughs> and asked their fans to stream it over and over and over again, and made I, I believe it was over a million dollars just doing that and that funded their tour and after that of course Spotify caught on and. Yeah, banned the album but they you know they took advantage of the streaming platform told their fans to get on there and as a result they made a bunch of money they were able to tour and <laughs> spotify you know ended up with egg on their face so to speak
2: yeah and, but you know it, there's all loopholes it's just who can find them who can yeah anything can be manipulated if you manipulate it the right way the problem yeah. is when it, be, when it comes to light and someone starts talking about it, now you shed light on it, now you, the streaming platforms are looking for it. Everything is hackable. Everything. You just got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And you, once you figure out the system, you know, again, I could have a trash song. I could not even be a singer. I can put out Do Re Me. But if I have <laughs> a lot of rich friends that say, hey, go purchase X, Y uh, amount of units, I'm number one on Billboard and you've never heard of me. So, Greg, to answer your question... That's why you see some things that you've never even heard of on billboard. You're like, who are these people? Cause they have a money machine behind them.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, well, and then, it's, uh, well, most of the time with, with the songs I've never heard before, it's mostly because I, I mean, if they're on the radio, I probably haven't heard the song. If I, if I haven't found <laughs> it by myself, then, yeah, yeah.
1: I, yeah. I don't that think too- either one of us listen to the radio.
2: <laughs> and, and neither do I. I'm gonna tell you the only reason I listen to the radio now is to catch Bobby's song, so I can have some content and make content and, and give the shout out to the station playing the songs. That's the only. But I'm I'm I make my own playlist and I listen to the streaming and I find new artists and I put it in my playlist and that's where I go. All
0: right. Um, let's get to the uh, the Billboard 200. These are the albums. Uh, number one debuting at number one is high off life by future i I don't know if life is good or whatever that song is with drake is is on that album uh i've heard mixed reviews about this album but hey if it's not any good he's going to come out with another one in like october i figure Uh, (laughs) because that's how often he puts out an album (laughs) so there you go um Hilarious. number two is the goat by polo g number three uh that's debuting at number two number three is my turn by Lil baby number four dark lane demo tapes by drake number five blame it on baby by Dababy. baby so okay that's a different one uh number six eternal ataki by Lil uzi vert number seven after hours by the weekend number eight hollywood's bleeding by post malone number nine Reunions by Jason Isbell in the 400 unit and number 10, Good Intentions by Nav. Um, I, I haven't listened to any of these albums. I mean, I've heard a couple of songs by The Weeknd and Post Malone is, I'm surprised that his other two albums aren't in the top 10 this week because yeah, like they Post normally Malone. are. <laughs> I like Post Malone. Yeah, me too. Um,
2: Post is he's so he's so versatile. Like you can go do rock and then come do rap and then do urban. Like he's so I, I love him as an artist.
0: We call him Serious Malone on this show uh, because <laughs> there was he some article where seriously. he wanted to be <laughs> taken seriously. So we just started calling him Serious Malone, and we uh, I asked Ben like if he takes him seriously this week, and and it's been yes, like for the last few months. So yeah. Uh, Okay. He's come up. He's come yeah. up. yes
1: Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, he's not he's not White IVerson cuz that was the first time I heard him and Yeah. I was so so on him. Someone's like, "Hey, check out, you know, Post Malone, White IVerson." Was, eh. But like now he is he's stretching his legs creatively, and I like yeah. that.
2: Do some research on Post and and look at his rock ba- uh his rock back background. Um He he was—he's an interesting person, like oh, all around. Just his taste in music and just how he—he he evolved. He's a, hes an interesting cat.
1: Yeah. yeah, he brought on Ozzy Osbourne and had people thinking that Ozzy was a new <laughs> artist, as young people often do.
2: Come on now, he brought. Yeah, on Ozzy, I'm like yo, but uh, an artist I can go from Ozzy to to Migos or to whoever. Yeah, he's gonna be like that. That to me is well rounded. Like he has longevity.
0: Mm-hmm. He had longevity. Uh, I like. He did a stream recently of... Um, I think... I don't know if they played the whole Nevermind album. But I think... I know that he did some... A couple of Nirvana songs at least. And he streamed that live. Like and, he played them?
3: Yeah. Like he had a... He, okay. he plays
0: guitar. He had a band. And yep. they, okay. Yeah. I like
1: to check that out.
2: Yeah. Like I say, he's dope all around. Like he plays. He's... He... When I first seen him, I'm like, what the hell is this? And my other client, Scarface, I'm like, what? who is this? And I first was like, man, he's trash. <laughs> that's what I was mean, <laughs> like, who is this cat doing? Like, I don't like when white people try to be black. And I'm, that's just how I always... And then I looked at him, I was like, well, let me do some more research on him. And when I started learning his backstory, I was really intrigued. And then knowing that he plays instruments, and then he he's... His wide bass of music, like country, he's like, and I like that. That just tells me he really takes it serious. He's not just trying for one hit. He really is is involved in all the genres.
0: Um. So uh, let me see if he's included on here, and he is. Well, but we'll get to second. Uh, so this one, another chart that we talk about a lot is the artist one, the Billboard Artist One Hundred. And with this, it's they they calculate um, album sales, um, radio airplay, and when people are talking about them on social media. Uh, so that that's all figured out into the arts 100, But we figured out over the past couple of years that there are a couple of things that can happen that can put you in the top 10 or even at number one um one of them is you come out with a new album Hmm. two is um what was the uh what was the other one ben
1: i feel like it's kind of grim
0: well oh yeah well yeah okay you come out with an album or um got some controversy a movie uh, well before we get there uh, okay okay, a new album uh a movie is made about you or oh yeah, or yeah, like, or wing. um or you die. Well goddamn <laughs> uh <laughs> so those are the, gonna, wait a
2: minute, so not going to jail but dying.
0: Dying. Uh oh, wow. because uh Tom Petty shot up to number one, uh the Cranberries, Lincoln Park, Park uh okay. Juice World, Mac Miller Nipsey, Nipsey yeah.
2: Post, uh, to yeah, Elvis, yeah.
0: Um Pop Smoke. He was in the top 10, I believe. Yeah. So that's really- part of <laughs> it.
2: And it's funny cuz Bobby said that the other day I was like, I mean, I think I got to die or something cuz I, I have a I have a movie out, I'm doing this. I have albums out. I just got to die and I'm I finally make the Billboard <laughs> when I die and I'm like, oh shit. Don't say that, but
1: No, you know,
2: no. <laughs> but you know, but it, but that's it's funny that you guys are saying that because we just had that discussion. It's like why then? Why after the fact are they celebrated?
1: Mm, that's a good question.
0: Yeah. Um they, they always hear you want to give people their flowers while they're alive, but you know, yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's not always a the Tupac case
2: and like fake our death and then come back <laughs> like, haha, after you got the billboard, you know what I mean? Like, hey, <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm sure he
1: would have been at the top of it if 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 it were around back then, he would have been at the top of that.
2: Absolutely. And Tupac was my boy. Like I knew Tupac music, he taught me a lot of this and of the industry. So again, it, just a, I've seen a lot. I I, I questioned everything and believe nothing. Because again, everything is manipulated.
0: Uh, so what, which uh, Tupac rumor do you believe as far as where he is? Is he in Cuba um, did he briefly live in Cleveland, managing Bone Thugs and Harmony? Uh, <laughs> that's what I heard when I was in high school, and I thought that was one. the most—that was crazy. so ridiculous. Oh my god! I have to
2: tell everybody he's in my basement and he's straight, you know. But do I believe he's in Cuba?
0: Yeah that that's the one that's the one I, I've heard most consistently is that he's in Cuba. Yeah. Just i believe chillin'. he's
2: in cuba because he likes he likes yeah i believe he's in cuba i believe he's chilling
0: um so for this uh uh so for the artist 100 they have uh number one because he put out an album it's future uh number two because he put out an album and he was unranked out of 100 last week is Polo G. Uh number 3 is Drake who's consistently in here. Uh number 4, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit because they put out an album. Number 5, The Weeknd, number 6, Luke Combs and Ben this isn't the guy who's on American Idol, right? Or no. The Voice? Okay. No.
1: No, he's not. No. I think people like this guy better. Actually. Okay. <laughs> From the uh,
0: real.
2: <laughs> What's this guy's name?
0: Luke, Luke Combs. Gomes. He's a country singer. But the one on American Idol is Luke Bryan. That everyone right? thinks is a tool. <laughs> just
1: just being real. Like he's yeah. I can't think of an artist to compare him to, but he's that he's that country artist that like you don't really respect him. Like he's famous, but you're just like, uh, we don't respect you.
2: That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. But uh-huh. they
1: respect so, Luke Combs. So it
2: was Luke Holmes. Huh, interesting.
3: Yeah, because uh, his show,
1: his shows yeah. are like big parties. Like that's everyone likes it. You know, it's a, it's almost like a throwback to like a Garth Brooks show in the nineties.
0: It's just gotcha. a lot of fun. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: Okay. The likability factor. Okay.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Who so else we got? Number seven is Harry Styles. Number eight is Post Malone. Number nine, the baby, and number ten, Lil Baby. Uh, so. It's always it's interesting to see like there there are only a handful of artists that are consistently in the top ten, not and they don't have to be putting out music on this, and that that's like Drake, um, and for a long time we saw like Ed Sheeran, Imagine uh, Dragons and Imagine Dragons, the yeah, they were in this in on this all the time, and they their album had Never been out, out for a year, a year and a half already. So, um, uh,
2: that's interesting. Yeah. So I guess, I, that's interesting how you're you're saying. It's an interesting perspective. Like, okay, how how does this happen then? Without yeah, anything, what regenerates the interest to get them back up to charting? You know, is it is it on a movie? Is it something resparks it? I mean.
0: Well, yeah, because we saw we saw um, when uh, A Star is Born was out and getting mm-hmm. all the uh, winning a bunch of awards or nominated for a bunch of awards. Bradley Cooper was in this was on oh, the top 10. I mean, along yeah. with Lady Gaga, but Bradley Cooper, like no one sees him as a singer, but he was on here or when um, Bohemian Rhapsody was out. And
4: he actually is a singer.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah, he, he he's sang like night. he was yeah. you know, he he did he did his own singing on the album and everything, but he was yeah. in the uh he was in the top ten on this chart be you know because of because of that. Um and Queen was in the top ten for a while when Bohemian and Rhapsody was out and they haven't had mm-hmm. any new content, of course, in years and decades, but the
1: album shot up there too. was
0: interest in their music because of the film and that's and so they were right. high on this chart too.
2: Well, I think when you re- when you remind people, um, I think if you guys are familiar with the verses that's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. are
2: doubling their streams because people are like, oh shit, I forgot about that song or I forgot about that album and go. I mean, Teddy and Babyface doubled their streams.
1: And how could you forget about Babyface, the legend? I listen you know to him at least weekly. It's- I love Babyface, man.
2: <laughs> but it's not even just Babyface. It's all the songs yeah. he's done. Like people just like, you just forget because there's so many, and remember that era everyone like producing, they did everybody's songs, so yeah. it's like you forgot, like, oh my god, Tony Braxton's song. So people were going back and they're getting, but to double the lifespan of a song in one day, <laughs> the power of the freaking internet, yo, like,
0: mm-hmm. like there was that part a was
2: crazy. That part is crazy, and and Babyface jumped over five hundred thousand followers. He he rarely used Instagram. Uh, his his tour manager called me, she was like Melinda. I'm like, oh, this is crazy shit. He went from five hundred thousand to over a over a million in a day. Teddy jumped up like four hundred some thousand, and these these people aren't like active users. Jill Scott never used, and I I didn't, I didn't mean to switch gears. But That's fine. Jill, Jill Scott never used Instagram Live before. Ever, her first time ever on Instagram Live was with Erica Badu, and now you can't get the woman off Instagram Live. She's making all kinds. Of
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jill, but you know it, it's an engaging thing. But the power of, I guess, the resurgence of the again when Queen the movie came out, it people are reminded. People are like, oh shit! I forgot. We are the champ. Even if they didn't like, they're just gonna go back to listen because it brought back where were you at when, you know, the nostalgia. So that's interesting.
0: That's yeah, there interesting. was a um, I, he wasn't on this chart at all, and I, I'm a little surprised. But we talked about this on the last episode or or the one before. But when uh, I don't know if you watched the Last Dance documentary about the Chicago Bulls, but just that. 10 second clip of Jordan, (laughs) Michael Jordan just jamming out to the new Kitty Lattimore that wasn't even out yet and (laughs) Katie Lattimore's like streams went up like 100,000 or his followers went up 100,000 after that Yeah, and it it was just, it, it was one of those like weird, like timely things and I don't know how active he actually is on social media or anything like that, but he came out and said that yeah, I remember giving him The album you know right after right after i like finished it so Mm -hmm. um just just seeing that and kenny Lattimore didn't have to do anything and he's got (laughs) he's got a few more fans uh just because and that was also weird because we talked about this um no one knew that like michael jordan doesn't he he doesn't listen to rap really and he uh he listens he listened to like what we consider adult contemporary R and B before games, to hype him up before games. Like he listened to Anita Baker and, and Pebo Bryson before games. And yeah,
2: that's that's <laughs> who his that's who he grew up to. That's where his memories yeah. are built. That's what he's familiar with. That's that was the only thing I, like I said in the beginning. It's the familiarity. And yeah. he connects to it he remembers the good times. Like it could be a moment with his dad, with Anita Baker, which is why Anita Baker resonates with him so hard. You know, it's, it's those things, but I mean, God, y'all, Kenny Lattimore. I'm sorry. I'm still tripping on Kenny (laughs) Lattimore, but you know, it's his own. Like, Hey, Bobby B got an unsung coming next year, the top of the next year. Hopefully when Bobby plays these songs and the licensing of it, his streams will go up. Amen for slow down and beep beep and tell me, Mrs. Officer, I'm pimping all over the world. We got a nice little catalog, so let's it, hope it happens to us.
0: <laughs> That's dope. Uh, so, well, I guess we went a little longer on this first segment before, like, than at planned. But we're having such yeah. a good time, aren't we? Yes? Yeah, I
1: agree. <laughs> no, no. This oh is no, good it's no problem. Stuff.
0: No problem. Don't stop the train. It ha- it happens. <laughs> I'm I'm not worried about it. Um, <laughs> um, so at this point, we'll get to Ben's earworm of the week. So tell us about it.
1: All right. Well, I know we did a countdown of these a while back. Uh, our most influential was it Georgia artists or Atlanta artists?
0: Atlanta artists,
1: Atlanta artists.
0: I think it was like our fifth episode, something like that. Okay. So very, very this early. is
1: an Atlanta artist. Um, They don't get a ton of love down here because uh, rock music down here is just not big, and that's okay. That's cool. Uh, The band is Seven Dust, and they did a cover of um, a Marvin Gaye track called um, "Inner City Blues." Um, Lejean is an interesting singer because he sometimes he's like you know really growly and screaming, and then sometimes he gets kind of smooth. And it's funny because you would think maybe on this song they would get smooth, but they actually kind of give it that trademark Seven Dust sound, which is just really heavy. They're good musicians, although I don't think they have all of the original members anymore. They still got Lejean. Um that's all I think that they got a, a, a new bit. Ba- you said that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that
0: matters. <laughs> well,
1: you know he really doesn't have dreads anymore, right? I think he just has. Um... It's
0: still the black lead singer of the rock band.
1: Yeah. He's just got the Afro now. Um, I, I think.
2: I love the shade, Greg. I
0: love. But the shade, um,
1: I, w- I and honestly, I would love to see them in concert because they play around here all the time. Um, mm-hmm. um, even doing a really I don't know if you've seen this, Greg. They did an acoustic show at the Georgia Theater, that was really really good. Um, played some like played a lot of their catalog. It was very chill, laid back, and subdued, and I really I really dug it, but. This is not chill, laid back, and subdued at all. <laughs> okay. All right. But, so... it talks about, but I think it, it works because, like, there's some anger. Like, I like the Marvin Gaye one, but there's some anger to this song. And I think they kind of bring it out a little bit.
0: All right. So we're going to play uh, Inner City Blues, uh, the cover of Inner City Blues by Seven Dust. And we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, that is "Inner City Blues" by Seven Dust from their album uh, "Best of Chapter yeah, One." So, album, so yeah. it's from their greatest hits album. And you can find that along with our other BTTYHT earworms. It is a playlist on Spotify, and if you want to go back and listen to that track, you'll find it there. Um. So, uh if you are somehow joining us at this point of the show, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're here with Melinda uh, from, uh, well, is it okay if I say the name of your, your company? Absolutely. From okay. Santiago.
2: Melinda Santiago,
0: <laughs> Melinda Santiago, president and CEO of the Santiago firm, uh, uh, a management uh, and uh, you know i'm gonna get it wrong what is the santiago firm
2: (laughs) It's a management and branding firm Um, all right but again i have several little umbrellas underneath that so but yes santiago firm management and branding firm all
1: right okay so one of the things that i did want to ask you about and if this isn't something that your firm does you know feel free to tell me to be quiet um (laughs) Artist development is something that I've always thought was interesting, and more so the fact that it just does not happen as much anymore with record labels. You see it kind of outsourced sometimes, but typically labels now want a finished product. They'll go to social media, they'll go to YouTube, and they want to see somebody who's got that star power, pluck them, put them, you know, in a studio. And, and you know make the process. Like you said, they want the process to go as quickly as possible so they don't have to spend a lot of money.
2: Right. Um,
1: do you do any artist development?
2: I do do artist development. However, I find people when they say they want the glitz and the gold and they want to make it, mm-hmm. but then when they realize what it takes to get there, they don't want to spend the money on themselves. This is not mm-hmm. even spending money with me. It's spending one on themselves. Like, okay. Or they have such a a, a, a firm feeling on who they are as an artist and they don't want to, they don't want to budge. They don't want to grow a little bit. They don't want to change some things around. And mm-hmm. so when someone asks me for artist development, absolutely. I will as VP of Vulture music group, that's what we're doing. Even though we're getting artists that are kind of self, you know, motivated already doing their things. I still tweak their shows. I still tweak their their persona. I, I tweak their style just to say, hey, listen, that made me work for this. But if you're thinking longevity, you're gonna have to start like this and maintain this. So from the from the Beltry Music Group perspective, yes, we do artist development. From someone who says hey Melinda I, I need to be a brand because now It's not necessarily about artist development It's being the brand They are their brand Um, So it's Developing the brand within that A&R Which, in, which is in that artist development Right it's, mm-hmm. it's making sure that The songs that they're picking Is matching their tone Making sure they're making the right decisions In songs It's down to the production, making sure they have vocal training. You know, sometimes they think they're the best in the world and they (laughs) want to sing a rock song, but they're uh, they're a blues singer. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. Yeah. And sometimes they're a crooner, but they want to be a pop star and the the sounds don't mesh. So if they're willing to say, okay, and really deep dive and you may find out, oh my God, I'm a better country singer than I am a pop star, maybe countries where I need to go. And it's about having an open mind. So to answer your question, yes, I do do artist development if they're serious about it.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, now you're the the vice president of Veltree music group. Um, now we've discussed this before. It's kind of the, the same episode in which we, we had talked about, um, the uh, lack of control that uh, disc jockeys now have in, on, in radio. Uh, We, we've had an episode about that. And with, you know, we talked about Alan Freed and the, the, the whole payola scandal and everything like that. But with you doing uh, artist management and you're also working with the music group, Uh, is, is there any conflict of interest there? I mean, like any potential for conflict of interest and, or how is, how do you avoid it or how is it not?
2: There could be, if you don't set the, uh, set the lines up front, see, Bobby V is my client. I manage Bobby V's career. So part of my career development for him is to turn him into a CEO of his own record label. So. I don't manage any of the artists on the label. I manage Bobby V. So I give him, okay, this is what we need to do here. I give him career development. I I give him planning. I give him structure. So within that, I'm the VP of the label, a separate entity, which I'm just protecting my client's interest in the label. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. So it's
2: not blurred at all for for how I set it up it would be a conflict if I was managing the artist as being the VP of the of the label so I I don't cross those lines the VP of a label I'm protecting my client's interest so I'm one in the same as management anything that Velchy Music Group does from the label side that's how I acquire my income from the label side anything I do for my client Bobby V on the touring side and all of that stuff that's what I get my my management fee from I don't double dip and I don't cross over
0: okay um, uh, one thing I would ask you about there as far as like in any blurred lines or potential for that um, because you mentioned that you are uh, the booking agent for Pleasure P um, and with also managing Bobby V's uh, career There was the um, the iHeart Radio concert a few days ago. Um,
4: Yes,
0: and that's why I I I thought about tiling this particular episode. Key Sweat made us reschedule, (laughs) but um,
2: (laughs) 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 Um, listen when that show day it just and then Wi Fi was down. It was complete hell trying to navigate and I was calling back and I couldn't get the call. It was just, it was tough. So I apologize.
0: It it happens. You're, you're a very busy woman. So like, I just <laughs> talked it up to that. Um, really no, no worries on, on our end. Um, but as far as like, um, in that, in that environment, when it's, you know, uh, rehearsal or getting, you know, getting ready for, um, for this kind of event. How are you, um, I guess kind of what's your perspective as far as like you're, you're doing this for this artist, but this for this artist, but they're all in, like in the same room.
2: Right. So it's funny. I, I'm, I'm like, but I'm like big mama of the millennials. Um, the relationships I have, with I just, I help everybody out. If you're on a set and you need help, I will be a wardrobe assistant out I just help because that's what I do. I want to see everybody look good and be good. So Bobby, as long as he's there on time, sound checks, making sure everything's right. His lighting, because again, that's my client that I manage. So i have to make sure everything is good with pleasure. If pleasure said, hey, Melinda, I need X, Y, Z. My position with pleasure, I got him there. He's there. So any wardrobe anything that he needs to do his team takes care of that mm. so but I will still ha- lend a helping hand because I ca- I just know how to micromanage I have four kids so I know how to make sure everyone's happy food on the table kids dress wash all that good stuff and still have a life so I just know how to I just know how to organize my time and I have very honest conversations because in the past I've had clients jealous of other clients because they felt I was giving more time to one than the other. And it's funny. It's just, they just preferred me around them because they know I, I, I handle stuff. So if they feel that I was, for instance, I had two tours going on at the same time and the millennium tour with Bobby pretty Ricky and them that I helped package, uh, I mean, help, uh, Book that tour and put the package together with them and then i had the legends of hip-hop tour with scarface and dj quick and too short the, everybody that i got for that one so they were running neck and neck in the same time frame so there would be some shows that i missed for bob and then be some shows that i missed for scarface and when i missed a show for scarface oh you're in hawaii with bob oh okay whatever or if i miss a show with bob he was pretty much handled because I had a, a good road manager with him. So sometimes you get people, and I don't even think it's a bad thing. They just like the fact that I handle business, and who wouldn't want people around like that? So it, it gets, it's it's funny sometimes. It's just by having conversations with them. Like, look, I'll be there for your show, X, Y, and Z. Oh, I'll be there for your show, X, Y, and so So it, it's manageable. It's funny, but it's manageable. <laughs>
0: So has there has there been like a situation where, like, if um, like with Bobby, if he has a, a writer and it says he's supposed to have um a bowl of green M oh, and M's? Oh no! <laughs> and and uh, as his manager, yeah, you make sure that the green M and M's are in his dressing room. But Pleasure P also wants green M and M's, but uh he's he's asking you hey where did how did you get green M&Ms but like you don't you don't handle that part for him it, has there been like anything to where it's like that i don't want to say small but something that can be like that important to that particular artist
2: yeah and again it's about how you advance a show and when you advance a show that means you check check and recheck and if I've said in my writer, I've sent writers for Bobby and I've sent writers for pleasure. Do you have everything in play? So I get there and, and this is the initiative I take. And not everybody does it. And I don't expect everybody to. But I think this is what separates me from the rest. When it's time for sound checks, I go early. I go to the venue three hours, four hours early. I check everything. I make sure everything is there. I... I walk the routes, I know where their dressing rooms are at, so when I leave and go pick them up from the hotels or get them and bring them back, everyone knows where everything is at. I don't make mistakes like that because if I have time to fix it, guess what Melinda does? I'll go to the store myself and go get the green M&Ms for pleasure, and I'll let the promoter know, yo, you fucked up. And you know I don't <laughs> appreciate it. But It's about being proactive. So it's not showing up when you're supposed to show up. It's showing up ahead of time for your client and making sure everything is already set up properly before they even step foot in that venue. So, you know, it can get kind of bad. Sometimes someone doesn't have liquor. Sometimes someone doesn't have the Red Bulls. You make it work. And it's about the relationship. Hey, can I take two over here? Cool. It's about how you communicate too. You know, can I take two Red Bulls over here? They didn't have enough. Sure, not a problem. You know, or hey, they ran out. It's about again, letting them know ahead of time and not having a surprise. You don't make no one feel less than the other. It's cool. That's why I like booking up like all my clients together on shows. It's easy for me to navigate everybody. Easier.
0: Okay. Because um, uh, we we talked about the like the whole green Eminem thing. Was that Van Halen or Metallica that asked for that? Like they would ask mm-hmm. for like. Those small. that was um
1: <laughs> that was van halen back in the day that did yeah. the no brown m&ms and the reason they did it was um they played you know it's funny too because back then i can't imagine some of these towns hosting a band that big but like they play in small towns like they talked about playing in macon once and how this you know macon georgia and how the stage wasn't to the specs that they needed it built to and a lot of bad things happened people got hurt so they started putting that little small detail in their tour writer to make sure that the tour writer was read, you know, cover to cover, so to speak, front to back, um, in detail, so that the stage was built to the specifications that they needed it to be built to, and no one got hurt, you know, in the okay. band or in the crowd. And they could tell that if they showed up and they saw brown M&Ms, they know they knew that the tour writer had not been read to the detail they needed and they would you know they would cancel the show in most cases um so That's i mean smart. i don't know if, That's yeah smart. And yeah cuz they you know they're like you know we don't want to get sued you know for mm-hmm. bad stages cuz you know when when um when things go wrong no one's looking at the promoter no one's looking at the stage crew no one's looking at the sound people they're looking at the band absolutely so absolutely if you don't want to be held liable, you got to make sure they're reading that thing to um to to a T. And it became like a joke, you know, in a lot of circles, like, oh, no brown M&Ms. But, you know, they put the, I think Edward Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, I don't know why I called him Edward. Eddie Van Halen came <laughs> out and did an interview. And someone asked respect. him, like, you know, why'd y'all do that? And he explained it. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's actually pretty smart.
2: And, and, and the funny thing that you're telling me that there, because, you know, people get looked at divas all the time. You think, like, Mariah Carey, she le- doesn't like Or she wants all yellow M&Ms or something like that Right? Or is yellow <laughs> Skittles or something that she wants Or she doesn't want But I, I, you you first attribute it to Oh, they're just being divas But you never yeah. know what the backstory is And they can't really say what the backstory is Because then once they figure it out you And know,
1: they'll start building bad stages <laughs> Right, it
2: defeats the purpose So that makes yeah. sense And again, I'm just an overly thorough person so I'm anal when I say check everything up do you have this do you have that I make them shoot me emails so I have everything in writing so if something does go to the left my artist can see oh it wasn't your fault you covered it they just either lied or they just weren't prepared but you know I I always tell people after we have this conversation can you send me an email or I'm gonna send you an email confirming everything that we just talked about and I and I and I go through my writers tooth and nail and then I make compromises there. And then when I compromise, I make side notes, red lines on the writer. I let the artist see it. I make him initial it or her initial it. Boom, there it is. You knew about this already beforehand.
1: So yeah. So I have a question, too, here. So uh-huh. talking about, you know, about the expectations, because I imagine credibility is a big thing yes. in this in, in, in the music business. At credibility, you know, on on that side from the promoters and making sure that the people running the venue and putting on the show are are doing what they're supposed to do and meeting your expectations. How would an artist not meet your expectations? So, you know, what would an artist have to do to make you go, mm, "We've got to terminate this relationship. I can't work with you anymore"?
2: When there's several things. Wow, that's that's a whole nother podcast. Um. <laughs> Because there's their influences, there's temptation out there. When an artist goes behind my back and tries to do a deal behind my back. Mm. Um, when they get close to the promoter and they try to do a deal behind my back. Or if they become a nuisance or, for instance, if everything is, let's go back to the writer. If everything's on the writer, but because they're trying to get more money from an art, from a promoter, last minute because they're greedy and they cause frustration on a promoter i.e let's say they say my chicken wings are cold so you need to give me another thousand dollars because my chicken wings were cold or i'm not going on stage like when you start threatening for bullshit like that you go behind my back and try to do side deals or cut deals or you don't take instruction well and then you know the accountability game you come late because you come late. You didn't get a sound check, but then you want to blame everybody else. But you didn't come on time for your sound check. Sound checks are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. So if I feel that there's a lack, of, a lack of respect, and I always tell artists, this is not your money you're spending. This is their money. So you have to respect their time and respect their their requests. And then in turn, I tell promoters, hey, these are the artists. You can't ask them to do X, Y, and Z because these are artists. so again it's a few things like if you disrespect if you go around my back if you don't have my back in my absence and I hear about it, there's certain things but if you start making my my brand look bad, if you start making you know my job difficult or my relationships start to suffer because of behaviors outside on the road, then I would say hey this is no longer serving me. Any goodness or any purpose, you know good luck to you, and I will release them mm.
0: so basically, if someone's not going on stage uh and then like Flynn walks in um, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> is that that is, that is grounds for like okay, yeah, I can't work with you anymore
2: yeah I, when when you have a lack of integrity. Cause that's what it is. Nobody with integrity would do or try a move like that. They Hmm. just wouldn't. So, the minute you show me disrespect or a lack of integrity, I'm a side. I'm a side eye you, and when I no longer trust you, I can't work with you.
0: Hmm. All right. Um, So, I you you said you've you've been uh, doing this for about twenty five years. Like, how did you get, um, what interested you about it? Like, as far as what got you started to where like, this is what I want to do. What was that moment?
2: I, I didn't, I I was working in the corporate world, you know, always, and I would just happen to meet celebrities. It'd be really ironic places in the mall or, or, uh, athletes. It'll be at a, you know, part, like it was just. I would always just meet people of influence. And I never put two and two together. But when someone would come into town, they would call me up, hey, Melinda, I need a barber. Oh, yeah, no, don't worry, I'll, I'll work that out for you. Call my barber, hey, last minute, can you fit somebody in? So oh. I was kind of just plugging people. If an artist was in town and wanted to go to a concert and I just happened to know that person, hey, I would call the artist, hey, I have another artist in town that want to come to the show. So they trusted that my relationships were real. All my relationships were like very platonic, but they could they could trust that I wasn't out to, you know, be a groupie. I wasn't out trying to, you know, get a part of whatever they were doing. I never asked for favors and didn't come at them and and disrespect their space. If they wanted to come in town and, and lay low and say, hey, you know, Melinda, we're doing X, Y, and Z. Can you find me a place to stay? Sure, not a problem. And it was just all love, you know, helping people out. And it got to a point where people just said, Melinda, can can you manage my career? You just have all these relationships out here. You have always been, and I it took me getting fired from my last corporate job. And I've never been terminated. I've never been reprimanded before in a job. And I was a victim of racism. You know, I had a uh boss from another country who didn't believe women needed to hold women didn't need to hold positions of power so he made it super difficult for me um and did things and targeted me so once I got released I I sat down I'm like you know what I'm never gonna make another company a million some dollars again until I make myself a million dollars and it just kind of fell in my lap like okay well what's going on so couple of friends of mine hit me up and they're just like, look, since you're free now, do you want to do this full time? I was like, oh shit. Well, okay. <laughs> let. So I kind of, it helped out because I just built really solid relationships. They trusted me. And when you build solid relationships, I had my feet, like I say, in movies and I had my feet already in radio. I had my feet already in music. So I kind of knew everybody and I started building the firm with the clients that sought me out, that I vetted out, and felt like they were a good fit for me as well as me for them. And so I had clients in every aspect of the industry, so they were all kind of bouncing off each other. So I kept everybody working. And then the name starts getting out there more and more and more and more, and people started see- searching me out, seeking me out, reference checking me. And I always tell people when you build your when you build your structure right and you build it solid. It's hard to shake. So then I legitified the business, put the LLC behind it, and I kept it moving. So kind of found me. I've always wanted to be in front of the little tidbit, fun. I was a singer Mm -hmm. back in the day. I used to love singing, and I, I got signed to a label. But I didn't realize I really wasn't that good at it. I, I was I was cute in front of the camera, I was all that stuff, and I tried acting, but I couldn't memorize lines. I'm better impromptu. And I said, how do I capture the same feeling? I capture the same feeling being behind the scenes. Because I get the same excitement when I see these things, you know, evolve, things that I create. So it was a win-win.
0: Oh, cool. Um <clears throat> uh... We had a list of questions. I'm trying to figure uh, which one I should go with here. Uh, you you kind of answered two of the, them. Actually, kill the the killing the magic. I know. I know. Kidding. I know. Time, I, know I know. I'm awkward. Cool. This is how it goes. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs>
1: He's just kidding. We don't have a list. This is
0: totally organic.
4: I, yeah. I, I get it. Uh-huh. I hear
0: it. No. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, you kind of answered too, because I was—I wanted to ask also how the how the relationship starts between the the manager and the artist. But it, it you know, for for you, the people just kind of came to you, and um, yeah, it, I've yeah, never had a, a client. Yeah, they've all
2: come to me. They've either heard my work, saw my work, or someone referred me. I've never had to ask someone, "Hey, can I manage you?" Never.
0: Okay. Um. So uh I I Okay, I'm I'm asking this question even though it was a question I was not going to ask but I I'm rephrasing it. Uh, so <laughs> I can we can still edit this if this goes wrong. But I I'm I'm going to not use any particular names. So oh, yeah. with a group um I back to the the whole Flynn thing. Uh <laughs> well do uh individual members try to have their own manager or is it just one manager for the whole the for the whole group the whole team uh as far as uh if it's if it's um if it's a vocal group with at least three to five members or something to that effect
2: well the ideal <laughs> way would be have one manager, but if that group at some point Parted ways um, and attain their own personal managers for their solo careers and then let's say the group got back together or decided to do a project together then you just have to learn to work with the old man because you never want to you never want to exclude any personals uh, any person's manager because they had the vested interest of that solo career so you try to break bread with everybody. You try to make it work. You try to have a commonality of the group being the focus. And this come to terms with, and, you know, a, a, a majority kind of vote, majority rules. If there's four members, if three three managers say yes and one manager says no, it moves. If two and two, then we kind of just break it off and try to figure it out. Um, but it, it it can work. It's not ugly and not nasty. It can it can definitely work if everyone has the same goal in mind. If no one is out for self, if their goal is the group, then there's no issues.
0: Okay. Um, to bring that up, well, I'm going to use a specific name, uh, but with, like, isn't the story with, like, uh, Destiny's Child is that they the reason why the two original members were basically fired from the group and they didn't know until they saw the new music video, but is because they had some questions about, um, about management that they, I guess, weren't supposed to be privy to, or maybe they were at, they were asking too much. It was becoming a hassle. I, I, I didn't, read or the the whole thing about, about it, but because of like the, there was some conflict of Matthew Knowles managing the group, but then, uh, Latavia and Latoya had questions and maybe consider getting their own manager. And then all of a sudden they're out of the group. Uh, that's, that's what kind of brought up that kind of question as far as mm-hmm. like multiple managers for a group. Um, but i guess for you is there i mean it's not i'm i'm sure it's not a handshake agreement <laughs> uh, oh, is yeah. there some kind of contract yeah. or you know what's yes. a what's a standard contract as far as uh what happens and if you know if there's any kind of uh ramifications if uh the contract is breached or the the relationship ends
2: well, again, with contracts, absolutely, i I uh, highly suggest contracts with any clients. Not saying that handshakes aren't good, but that gentleman's handshake, it, the industry is too grimy for that. You got to protect. And it's to protect the manager as well as the artist. You know if the artist decides to go, left and do some backdoor dealings is protecting the manager that that manager still gets the vested interest because they're still working on behalf of the artist and vice versa you know the artist holds the manager accountable and that paperwork definitely signifies you know a management fee you know what the management is entitled to uh if it's new publishing money or old publishing money anything newly acquired during the duration of the relationship. Um, And and again, it's not really a standard. It's based on the relationship. You know, if I'm working with a celebrity already, I would never ask for their their old publishing because I wasn't a part of that. But if I go find them new money and I'm putting new licensing deals in place for them and I'm putting them back on the map for, for bigger publishing opportunities... I'm entitled to that money because I'm putting that work in. So it's about the negotiation with the artist, what that percentage looks like, you know, what... Um, this is what some of the terms are. You can make them as loose as you want or as or as tight as you want, depending on the relationship that you have with the artist. And then when it comes to a term in the state of Georgia and actually in management, you really can't fire a manager you can just stop working with them but people are like i fired my manager you really can't fire a manager. like i can't fire my client you know it's one of those terms that you really can't do it's just you just sever the relationship but yeah that paperwork basically is, is highly recommended anything you do is highly recommended to have paperwork and on paper and a manager definitely needs one production companies need one any kind of business that you do with anyone you should Let me
0: just say it that way. Oh, sorry. My mic wasn't on, Uh, but uh, (laughs) uh, uh, I um, definitely understand that. Like, you know, we, there's a, um, it's something that it's been in the works for a few months, but we want to do a, um, we're planning a, a spinoff podcast called, did you read your contract in which we look at, you know, um, certain disputes or court cases or just when someone didn't get their royalties or, you know, what, what, if yeah. something happened, um, you know, to where someone didn't get the compensation that they were supposed to. Um, mm-hmm. so what uh, they, they thought
1: they were supposed to, you know, yeah. in, in right. some cases and it's pretty cut and dry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And your first contract that you need to do that podcast with would be Meg the stallion and 360.
0: Yeah, uh that's, okay, that so sounds like that <laughs> sounds <laughs> like a four letter word. sounds as a four letter word in the uh as far as artists go, the 360 deal,
1: but yeah. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on 360 deals?
2: I love them. I love them. Um it doesn't hold the it, it doesn't hold the artist hostage. You know, it, it it shows and it should show unity in the work ethic that we both sides are putting in to push the artist. And then if the artist it gives the artist time to really look at the label and say, hey, you know, you really did this. You made me pop off. you right. So now it becomes a loyalty thing and a, an integrity thing. Here we go again back with that respect and integrity work. And if I did really well for you, then I'll say, hey, just give me the first option for your next deal. But I'm not holding it down. If, if I'm not going to do a another 360 deal with you with the first option, then you're free to go. And I've done my job to you, but it doesn't tie the artist down, and it doesn't tie the label down. Because I think back in the day, those three, four label deals—I mean, three, four album deals with, with labels—it mm-hmm. it would just—it would suck the the artist dry. Because remember, they're giving out big advances then, so they needed to recoup somehow. So if they didn't yeah. recoup off of one album, they had the opportunity to recoup off of the second or third album. Or pray that one of those popped off so they could get their money back, right? Mm. And then you hear all these artists who are locked in their contract because they didn't suffice their seven album deal. Or, you know, that's ridiculous. So I think 360, especially for indie artists now, I think they're the best thing out there because it's not tying the label to the artist, because if it doesn't work, they've only spent one year, one one not you know, one album with the with the artist if that artist doesn't pan out to be who they thought they would be. And it doesn't tie the artist to a label if it doesn't pan out either way. And if they do well, then now it's, hey, I like what you did. I'm going to sign another year, option one for you. So I think I think they're good. In Meg's case, though, I think she did them real dirty because they're the reason why I popped her off. Nobody was even looking at her until they popped her off. And then when... Was it Rock Nation?
0: Yeah, that she was going. She was trying yeah. to sign with them.
2: Yeah, or and she I, did. You know, my word was, if Rock Nation wants her so bad, buy the buy the label out. If they believed in her, pay them their money that they owe that that she owes them per the contract. She had a really good deal, and if people. If they, she had a really good deal. For a new artist, <laughs> and look at her. She didn't get that way through Rock Nation. Nobody else. She got there through that label that pushed her there. Mm. So I, you know, I, I, I attribute it to her youngness. I attribute it to her her naiveness, and I attribute it to her her. What do you call it when you can um, persuade somebody? When, when her she's very. She was, she was persuaded and I think they got Manipulative in her ear. Mani- Yeah I think she got manipulated I think they got in her ear They told her stuff that she She liked and then I think they They manipulated her into thinking That the label that she currently signed with Did her dirty and they did not They did not If I make you a bajillion dollars Why do you think that I don't deserve My cut From it and I made you this I made you this artist
1: So yeah. Mm. I mean, I imagine, and I mean this is kind of me looking back on on how I was younger. I think there's a a, a certain ego to an artist to where, you know, I made me, I'm the, you know, I'm the talent. So I, I imagine because I don't know I don't know a lot about that deal, and I'm gonna research it though, but I I've seen, you know, there's a there's a bit of an ego to an artist, you know, and of course you've got to have a little bit of confidence to make it but what i what you don't want to be at least i feel is arrogant mm-hmm. you know you still got have you still have to have a little bit of a humbleness about yourself to be a good artist otherwise you become and i don't know if this is going to hit home but you become scott Stapp of, Scre- of creed
4: mm-hmm.
1: and your band drops you and goes on to work with another singer and they continue to be successful mm-hmm. <laughs> while you're you know reportedly living at like a holiday inn in florida so <laughs> So, I mean, it's just it's so interesting because you know Alter Bridge is literally the same band with a different singer. Yeah, they sound mm-hmm. exactly. Yet they're just as successful.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and oh. that's what the people gotta look at is because artists like that, and the very thing I say is when they tell, "Well, I don't need a label; I can do this on my own." Okay, well, how'd that work out for you? You know, how how'd that work out for you? Because you've been doing this how long, and you're still in the same spot? Okay. And you sign with us, and within within a month, you're on the radio. People actually hear your name. So I, I wish you would let that shit come out of your mouth again when you say something like that. So for artists who have egos and feel they can make it, then fine, don't sign with a label then. Do this shit on your own. And 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 if you don't have all the pieces that a label offers you, then okay, good for you. So we're part of the team where we're, we're an, a label as an entity of the artist. So if, if you say so you can make it, by all means, go for it. But don't negate the fact of what we did do while you were signed under our contract. Because I guarantee you, Meg, in research, the contract, Meg. She owes them. She owes them that money. She better. She, and And she should she should pay them.
0: Well yeah, I mean I, well I don't know if there's a like a lawsuit or anything against her, but I I think that would be that would not be good for her if it ended up going that far. Right. Would you say that.
2: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: For an artist looking for a good manager, um how would you suggest they go about finding one?
2: I would definitely first, before I start having anyone look for a manager, they have to do some self test questions, right? One, are you manageable? You know, what are they managing? What are you asking someone to manage? Um, I would research, I would research, look at, look, you know, Google University has everything managers in the whatever area. Uh and I would just do my research and then I would do a fact check. I would call clients or reach out to people that they have managed in the past and say, hey, what was your experience with them? You gotta do your history and you gotta do your research on them and you you gotta vet them out. And then once you get one, you properly address them. I I get so mad when I get client uh uh young people asking me for management services and they hit me with an email, yo, yo, I need a manager. I'm like, that's how you address an executive? That there's no etiquette, there's no coup. So, making sure their, their packs are together, if they have an EPK, making sure their links are together, making sure that when they find someone, they are properly introducing themselves to a manager. And that will take them a lot further than just throwing, say, hey, I'm an artist know, look at my 15 songs and, and send me 15 different emails with 15 songs. I'm not going to open shit because I'm not going to get hacked. So, I mean, definitely do the research. Definitely get references. Hey, what is it like? Have a set up phone calls, set up meetings, and see if the energy fits. See if the the goals fit. See if they're just money-hungry type of managers. See if they really have a goal and, a, and a, a plan. If they care about your career or if they're so inundated with all their other careers, will they get lost in the shuffle? So a lot of factors. If you're looking for a manager, do your research. Reach out, set up meetings, see how you feel about it. If you feel good about it, then you run with it.
0: So it does the... Uh, In a way, does the artist have to have um, at least a little bit of uh, professionalism and a a business sense about them if they want to kind of make their way up through the music industry?
2: I, I would suggest it. I would suggest they would they would learn the business so they're they're more apt to have discussions. Knowing their own business, since it's their money, I would definitely, you know, suggest that they don't run somewhere blind and expect someone to say, "Hey, take my career to the next level and not know anything behind it," because that's how they get stolen from. That's how they get, you know, taken advantage of. Because there's still people out there that do that. There are still people out there that that will strip them dry. So definitely have some professionalism about themselves. Definitely have a little bit of business truth. And if they don't know, say, hey, listen, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about, but let me go research it. Everything is available. Everything is available on, univer- on Google, on YouTube. You know, what do contracts look like? What you should look at for contracts? You should have an attorney. Spend that little 250 and have an attorney actually look over some things. Don't just try to do it yourself there's definitely some some business ones that they should take responsibility for and really learn it before they jump in the game.
0: All right. Um so uh I there we, we could I, I feel like we could talk for a, like a, a couple more hours at least <laughs> cause this cuz this has been great. Um Yeah. Uh but we definitely would like to have you uh have you back um well like i i'm sure there's something specific uh or just some there there are a lot more things that people can um can learn from this if they are looking for a manager as an artist or if it's something that they want to do uh yeah. if they feel like that is their calling um so yeah, uh, that will do it for that, this particular segment of our podcast. Uh, yeah. So uh, what we'll do here is, is uh, get to my earworm of the week. Um, this comes from my uh, infamous, we lit playlist on Spotify. It still uh, exists. It still exists. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Is <laughs> uh, the, which has just been a rotation of, of songs that, that I found uh, mm-hmm. that Aren't on the radio for the most part. Um, so this one is from uh an artist with um <laughs> a very interesting name. I think uh his name is not Internet James, it's Internet James.
2: In- in-a, in-a, Internet. <laughs> Internet. Okay.
0: Internet Internet James.
2: Internet. I love it. Okay, That's great.
0: Um, he is from, uh, <laughs> uh, he's from, I think he's from Washington DC and, um, I've heard quite a, a number of his songs, um, over the past couple of years. Uh, this one is called, it's called not hundreds. It's called hundreds. H-U-N-N-E-D-S. d s, hundreds. We supposed with an I H-U-N-N-I-D-S. Oh.
2: Oh, my bad. Yeah. I spelled it
0: wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, but it um, it's it's uh I like the song. It has it has a, a nice beat to it and um he has a different kind of I guess as a rapper or a singer, um he has like it's like a flow where you feel like he's just going to keep going <laughs> uh for <laughs> minutes at a time. But the, song. the song's only the like two and a half song. minutes long. So this is uh, Hunnids by Internet James. And we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I've
5: been rolling like a sliggle. Fuck the alarm. Steven Seager missed a car. But I just seen the fly Fendi slippers got me slipping, sliding, think I'm Mark McGuire You can spend my money, baby, I'll get more money, baby You can throw those hundreds, baby, I'll get more hundreds, baby That shit, there's an understatement
0: All right, that is Hunteds by Internet, James, and you can find that song on our BTTYHT earworms playlist on Spotify right now. Uh, so that will bring us to the end of this episode. Um, Melinda, if you we always say this to our guests. Uh, well, one, thank you for joining us. Uh, yes, but, thank you so much. Uh,
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Would, secondly, um, where can you be found? But only if you want to be found, we leave that completely <laughs> up to you.
2: Listen, I, I I question myself sometimes if I want to be found.
0: So I, I appreciate
2: <laughs> that. No, it's at Melinda Santiago on Instagram, Facebook, Melinda Santiago. Um, you can go to the Santiago Firm dot com. Also, you can reach me that way through the um, the email portion of it there. Uh, but everything in social media is at Melinda Santiago and the Santiago firm.
0: All right, and um, Ben, where can we be found? So, as you stated, don't don't
1: go to the website. You're just going to hurt yourself. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> um, don't don't go to. It. I don't even remember the URL. Um, but. Go to facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. You can find us on the gram at by the time you hear this. And you can also email us at by the time you hear this at gmail.com. So the um, Facebook is spelled with the word you. That's why you in case you don't know how to spell. And the Instagram, as well as our um, email address, is spelled with the letter "u," And that
0: is because. We're under curfew, apparently.
1: Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're under (laughs) curfew. We're. We're under curfew. We're unrest. Uh uh, All right. I'm woke. Um. And still so underrepresented. Yeah. I need and to come so, back yeah. to you
2: guys and and be in in studio with you guys. When to get out of this curfew mess, I I think I would have enjoy you guys so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, wait. We, so let's yeah. work. Huh? We'll we'll yeah, work on that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll make that make happen. Make
1: it happen. let me stop. <laughs> let me stop. Okay. Um <laughs> so what okay, so if you're listening to us, um, clearly you know how to find us. But but if you want to tell others about us, um, first off, you can tell them about where you're listening to us right now. That is a good start. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, if you have an Android like me, because they're superior. Um, you can find us on Castbox, Overcast, Satchel Podcast Player, which is a cool app because you can find podcasts in your area. Overcast, tune in radio, listen notes, um, play.fm, um, Castro Player. Is that is it Castro Player or Castro, Castro Pot, Podcast? Castro Podcast. Castro Podcast, and really any of those podcast aggregate sites. And um, last but not least, Spotify sponsor us. You can find us on Spotify. Yeah. Yes, who apparently is. is trying to become like the Netflix of podcasts like they're they're trying to corner the market on podcasts. So I don't know if that's good or bad or not cuz I'm not a fan of what like Disney does with content. Um I believe in 20 years um everything will be Disney or a variation of it. Uh which scares me, but I'm hoping that um Spotify don't get all the podcasts cuz that might not be good.
0: Yeah. Well, as those who create a podcast Didn't they just give Joe Rogan $100 million? I don't know. Um, I know they gave (laughs) um, the Ringer
1: a ton of money, um, which I love the Ringer. But I mean, like if you think about it now, I mean, yeah, Spotify's got a free plan. But, you know, I've got the premium, but if I don't want ads, I'd have to pay for premium Spotify and then, you know, to get. So it's 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 slippery. You know, it's it is what it is at this point. Um, at least they didn't buy the ringer. That was the rumor for the longest that Bill Simmons was just going to sell the ringer. I didn't know they gave Joe Rogan a ton of money. Um, God, I feel like he's becoming the next Howard Stern. And I, I don't know how I feel about
0: that. Yeah. I got mixed feelings about that too.
1: Yeah. Uh, he has his moments. He has his moments as, as some of my friends describe him. Um, he is whatever the guest is. <laughs> that's, that's the personality he takes on. So like, He's got a really liberal guest who, who's woke. He's really liberal and woke. He's got a staunch conservative guest. He is a staunch conservative. I don't know. Like, how do you trust a guy like that?
2: He's a chameleon.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's weird. It's like you know. But when he's on, he's on. I mean, he's he can be enjoyable, and he can fight. So
0: you know, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that will bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, we're gonna end the show with, um, uh, what's, what's Bobby V's new single called again?
2: Love that shit.
0: Let me pull that up. We're going to end the show with that. Let me stop (laughs) dirty. Love that
2: shit. We got, listen, it's, it's a fun song and please end it with that. Yes.
0: Um, Oh, uh, and uh, like I said, like a few weeks ago, Bobby V was here and Zan Man was here as well. Um,
2: yeah.
0: So I got to I got to meet them. Um,
2: yep. And this is the song Zan's on. Zan and Santos are on this song here.
0: So it's love that.
2: It's L-U-V-D-A-T. Love that. Sheesh, shit.
0: Uh All right. So we'll. Okay. I got it. So we're going to end the show with that. Thank you everyone who has made it to the end of the show. Uh thank you again for listening and we'll talk to you very very soon. Peace. Peace.
4: Yeah. Uh
5: Yeah, Bella's out of overseas. when she talks to me. She drippy Gucci on her feet. Uh-huh. Yeah, she show me love when she comforts me. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah she actin'. She acting. I hit it, I smell.